Psychomedy is brought to you by ThreadUp, Manchester-based therapy that supports creativity. I'm Rafaela Nunes, the founder of ThreadUp and the counsellor supporting the creative community. Comedians and creatives in general can experience anxiety, depression, low moods, and this in turn can affect their creativity. One-to-one counselling can facilitate a safe space for creatives to explore any difficulties, to gain self-awareness, to develop strategies that work, and ultimately to create choices that are aligned with the natural creative flow. If you're in need of support, then please get in touch. Visit threadup.co.uk to book your counselling sessions at reduced rates when you quote Psychomedy. I'm Nathan Cassidy, stand-up comedian and Bachelor of Science in Psychology, a subject I've been studying for 25 years. And a quarter of a century of studying the fascinating way our minds work on and off stage, alongside being a stand-up comedian for the last 10 years, has led me here today discussing the psychology of comedy with today's very special guest, the fantastic Sadia Azmat. Sadia, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very good. So as normal on Psychomedy, we won't be looking at each other for the duration of the chat. Sadia is sitting up on my sofa with her feet up. So um, I love when we're at a gig together. Um, You're great on stage, but also you're a very positive person, a glass half full person. Um, Is this how you would describe yourself or have I got a wrong impression of you? Mm, mm. I I love being at a gig with you as well, just because you're really funny and um, (laughs) it's nice to have a friendly face and friend there. I um, I think you're being overly generous about my uh, glass half full, but I do try and be positive. This is not the first time I've heard this. So how would you describe yourself? I mean, uh, do you just give that impression to like to certain people that you like, or is it just me? Is it literally just me? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I think if I'm feeling like good, I suppose okay, what we do is try and impart good feelings right so Mm. it's good to be positive however you have to be realistic and I think if you're overly positive it can come across as desperate particularly (laughs) on stage nobody likes desperation (laughs) oh yeah I wasn't talking about on on stage really Uh nobody likes positivity on stage do they it's just like get off where's your crisis yeah Mm. I mean off stage you just seem you know kind of kind and kind-hearted and positive and um but is this uh so this isn't you really or are you um um... it's hard to hear good things about me um but Mm. i think i am kind i think i'm kind i like to think i'm kind i maybe i could be kinder or more consistently kind but it's probably like i have this treat others the way you would want to be treated kind of ideal or mantra so um you know unless it's pms time that's usually the vibe (laughs) So is it hard to hear good things about you, really? Is it hard? Um, yeah, I guess, you know, you know as well as I do in what we do, we're kind of like better at taking criticism. So um, we I kind don't of... Know. I don't know whether I am. I, I prefer <laughs> I prefer people to be blowing smoke. I don't know. Really? Don't, I don't lie. Um, I don't know. I, I prefer people to be nicer than, than mm-hmm. harsh. I don't know. 
Do you That's not? That's very scarce, I think. Um, okay, so in terms of in terms of being positive, has that changed over the years? How 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 were you as a as a child in terms of uh, positivity in your mind? So my mum has bipolar. Um, so to be honest, like mental health is something that I've always is always been in my sphere or, or my world. So mm. I've always had a, a kind of an awareness of it and and almost like a, a bit of an immunity because if that's your norm, then you don't know what normal is. Or I know that's a dubious term, but yeah. like that's always kind of like. I've always had to question um, whether, you know, somebody is well or not. And, and that being your mum is quite an important figure in your life in the first place. So I think I've always, I think as, as acts as well, we're quite analytical, to be honest. Like, so I think I'm quite a, a, a thinker. Yeah, okay. She did quite well, you know, for a long time, um, you know. So I think it's just certain triggers uh, and life events that kind of, pushed her closer to a, a darker place, but she's doing fine. Mm. Do you ever think about anything in your own mind that is kind of down the line of any of those things? I mean, it's, uh, you know, people, a lot of comedians suffering from depression or those kind of things. Has anything like that bit you over the years of doing no. comedy? Yeah. Um, I'm I'm wondering when it's going to. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I'm okay. I The only thing, you know... Uh, to answer your question, I think sometimes it's difficult to switch off after um, a gig where you maybe have really connected or you're really trying to nail a bit and, uh, you you know, it's hard to stop kind of like analysing where that could be or you're a bit hyped up basically, do you know what I mean? So yeah. I think that's the only thing where sometimes I, I, I would like to be able to unwind or you know, de-stress, mm. but when you don't drink or smoke or have many vices, then um, it's a little bit difficult to chill out. What do you do then? Do you just stay up for hours or? Um, I try and relax. So I uh, used to kind of um, have acupuncture and I thought, found that really relaxing. Okay, nice. And then I had a session and then they messed up my chakras. <laughs> so <laughs> I was a bit annoyed by that. So I didn't go back. So I haven't been back, but like stuff like just drinking water, I know it's so basic, but like um, when I was newer as an act, I would, I, would, I would be nervous and someone told me, you know, breathing in water and it sounds so basic and, and annoying because you just want the magic formula that's going to turn you into Chris Rock. But yeah. um, water kind of really does help. It's, I think it's just being more um, aware of, you, of, of your state and then being able to kind of... Um, control it so yeah acupuncture that's interesting i've found uh, i've had a lot of people have uh, had benefit from that mm. but you said it messes up it messed up your chakras what, they, what, what does that mean i went to a student clinic which is a bit cheaper so instead of 60 pound for a private session it's 20 pounds <laughs> <laughs> red <laughs> flag <laughs> but it was the same tutor overseeing the students so i felt okay I was, I was okay, okay. But they put the needles in the wrong direction, meaning that they enhanced my condition rather than like uh, did what they were supposed to do. So I was a bit like, apparently I had heat and they were meant to cool it and they, they made me hotter in very simple terms. Oh, goodness. Yes. Nobody wants to get hotter. No. Would you go to a student for heart surgery? That's the thing. Yeah, that, that was your mistake, I think. <laughs> was it good before then? I have heard good things about acupuncture. I love acupuncture. I've never done it myself, yeah. No, no, I would highly recommend it. Mm. I would not recommend a student clinic. <laughs> but like, honestly, um, it did help me a lot. No, nice, nice. So comedy. Comedy a big part of your 
childhood. Uh, you know, I've heard you on other interviews. You seem like quite a student of comedy now. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of comedians don't actually watch a lot of comedy, but it seems like I heard you say that while you were in Edinburgh one year, you were watching 60 shows i think which is oh a my mass, God. which is a massive amount maybe you were lying but that's what i heard um, no, you've so done that's, your research that's a lot of that's a lot of shows is that something you've done since a child or is that a more recent thing yeah that was more recent in terms of like i guess i discovered comedy in my teens um it was really naughty and it was the only vice I guess I could uh, access mm. as a teenager. So I would watch um, Chris Rock and like, you know, American comedians really uh, excite me because they're a little bit less um, inhibited. They're, they're a, lot more, a lot more free. Um, they swear a lot and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, last year I, I just uh, was at the fringe just doing a half hour. So I thought, you know, it'd be a great time to kind of see what else is going on. So it was my, I had a, basically, because I do a BBC Sounds podcast, I had a media pass, so I definitely made the most of that. <laughs> um, and it was great, just some amazing shows. A couple of ones that, you know, were learners. <laughs> You're such a nice person. Do you mean they were shit, Sadia? <laughs> I don't know. We've all been there, though, so it's hard. I've never been there. Of... I've never done anything less than excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah, you started really, you won the Amuse Moose ages ago. I didn't win the Amuse Moose, but thank what? you for spreading that rumour. I won the Amuse Moose as well, yes. <laughs> I um, always spread rumours like that, good rumours. Oh God, yeah, please do, please do. So yeah, you mentioned uh, American comedians, I've heard you talk about, you know, yeah, Chris Rock and Norm MacDonald and they do, oh, he's great. they do possibly, uh, or are known for talking about things, um, more freely is this something that's obviously influenced you as as comedy uh, you say you got into it in, in your teens has it really kind of expanded your mind made you more open to things that you talk about you know i talk about dick in it nathan i don't know if i can say that on this podcast but <laughs> you can say um, whatever you like <laughs> okay so i've heard you on bbc sounds you, you know you're not going to say anything worse here than you say there no uh, <laughs> you've seen me on stage this is a lot worse right um, indeed i I think comedy is just a, like a, an amazing medium where you can kind of like it's it's helped me grow as a as a person um, and it because you face your fears and like nothing else will kind of like make you confront all of your vices and then like say you bomb one night and then go on stage the next night and just do it all over again so mm. it's it's very very character building and fun and I think it forces you to be truthful and I thought I was always I thought it was as simple as just being honest and it's so much more than that um, it's about confronting everything that you try and hide and the things that you don't know about yourself or that you've suppressed um, hmm. so it's a great tool um, and it just I think it kind of helps me the way I use it is to kind of don't lie to yourself or, or to kind of like cut the bullshit and be straight Mm. That's why I like to kind of translate in my material. So, you know, I could be a little bit more, um, I don't know, popular, mainstream, famous, acceptable if uh, if I played a game. But I think being sincere um, and authentic and true to your voice is more important than those things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that is interesting with you um, because... I've seen you on stage a lot and I um, look at your Twitter and it's, inter <laughs> it's interesting to say that you 
you're looking for your truth there on stage um, because it you are saying some quite extreme things you know you're saying some extreme things about religion and terrorism and I think particularly particularly sex but then at the same time you're saying or maybe you were referring to maybe in your teens in terms of a lack of vices from your stage persona in inverted commas it seems like you <laughs> you are someone with a few vices let's say or is that an uh, is that kind of an extension of who you are rather than exactly who you are? Yes, um, I yeah. think that's very fair. Uh, a good assessment, Nathan. <laughs> I, I mean, I think I'm questioning the, the term vices, and and I don't think that if you if you are flawless, that that's commendable. I think you are who you are because of your flaws, and so you need to be able to have room to make them and and um, own them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't say anything you say on stage is particularly advice. I mean, you're just talking about sex and that's not... A, I think that's it's not, it's, within it's, the it's... construct of, I guess, my identity and expectations, mm. yeah. So I think it, it would be considered to be, you know, naughty or, or bad. Yeah, um, in terms of religious... Yes, yeah. in terms of uh, female, uh, being a Muslim female, you know, what's expected of me. And I'm sure, you know, it's turned off a lot of Asian comedians from me just because it's... Um, I don't know, is it raunchy? But um, it's just uh, because I'm doing something slightly taboo or just um, new. Mm. I don't know why. I, I think if there's a guy saying the stuff I said, it would be fine. Yeah. But that is the truth then. That is the truth on stage coming out rather than we've had other comedians saying this is really a character. Oh, no. Even, even yes. though it, it's the truth. Yeah, it's the truth. Mm. It's, the it's truth definitely. Of who no, you I'm, are. Not, I'm not that good an actress to. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. It's it's definitely how I feel um, for sure. Yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, that's often where the best comedy comes. That's you're being truthful on stage, and how does that interact with your religious beliefs or your religious? Did you have a particularly religious upbringing then? No, I would say um, it was rather liberal in terms of. Um, I think my parents really wanted me to assimilate and mm. I think what happens and probably quite a phenomenon amongst young Asians is that you want to rebel. Yeah. I think it's just difficult to know what direction to go in when your parents are just like, do anything, you know? Okay, so they were that liberal. Because I heard, I heard you say that you were doing a computing degree because they had advised... Yeah. To do that. So more standard stuff. I mean, I doubt they ever said to you, Sadia, go on stage and talk about dick. I don't think they'd approve of what I'm <laughs> maybe doing. Maybe they did. So maybe, no, I don't <laughs> think that they'd approve. Um, I, I don't really talk to them about comedy. So, you know, I've been in the newspaper sometimes, but I don't think they are. They don't know I have a, you know, career in comedy. They don't know? No. Okay. What do they think you do? I was temping um, when I started doing comedy, so probably they assume I'm still in admin or something. Um, Do you never talk to them about it, or? I think I think I'd prefer them to discover me than to because I'm quite protective about comedy. It's like my baby, and um, hmm. I wouldn't want to taint it with somebody's disapproval or, or approval. It doesn't need that, you know. Right. Right. And do you think, do you have any idea whether they would be very disapproving or approving? Or I think it's more protective. Um, uh, again, it's just due to a lack of understanding about the scene. So 
just I think it would be borderline insanity to them to say oh I you know I'm doing a 10 minute gig in a pub tonight mm. they'd be like what to achieve what uh, are you getting paid or is this going on TV and so, so Asian families are very much about deliverables and you know targets and you know what you can what it is whereas what we're doing is is quite abstract mm. what would you say if you I don't know if you have any plans to tell them but if you were going to tell them tomorrow what you do what would you be most fearful about or if they were coming to a gig mm. what would you be most fearful about them seeing <clears throat> i talk about them <laughs> so uh i think i think uh you know it would be i i wonder how they might feel about that however it wouldn't stop me um from from expressing those things which you know have had an impact on me and are relatable to to everybody whether they are asian or muslim or whatever they are i think um what's good about me being able to talk about things is that it kind of um it feels like it brings people together in a sense of you're not just that label that I'm expected to to think you are. You know, you're a rounded person and you have experiences that, you know, may or may not be ones that I'm familiar with, but I kind mm. of, you're a real person. Yeah. Is there any chance you'll tell them? No, <laughs> unlikely. Um, maybe if you get this on TV and... <laughs> you know invite me back but you probably won't need to because you're so thorough and uh, we'll have accomplished everything today but you have a very successful podcast is that uh, <laughs> do they never listen to the bbc or i would be amazed to understand like what they even think a podcast is i don't think they know because okay. you know they don't really listen to radio and stuff so like a podcast would be like is that something that's like a, a vessel to go to outer space yeah <laughs> But yeah, I mean, obviously that is so incredibly interesting that you're keeping this from your... Do you, do you feel funny about it, that you're keeping it from your parents? I mean, do you, I don't do you feel there. close to your parents in, in other ways? Do you feel... Is there a, is there a good relationship there in other ways? Um, good, no. I would say that um, a lot of, like, my experience has been having to... It's like a role reversal where I've had to be the parent to them, to their childish antics or right. to them being children so um i guess it's made me a little bit more independent and i don't know how you feel but like as a comedian i, I tend to feel as an outsider mm. you know so i guess even as a uh, as a child I, i'm not feeling like i um i don't really feel i got enough um direction or guidance uh from them and so you know, I, I think it's easier to, to kind of be unattached. You say you don't have a, a great relationship otherwise with your parents, and I guess that makes it different in terms of keeping this from them is, isn't such a, a big thing then, perhaps. Mm. You know, I'm just thinking of my parents where I wouldn't tell them the ins and outs of what I'm doing, but I would, I would find it hard, and surely you must find it hard when you go home and they're talking to you and you're saying... You're not saying anything truthful about what you're doing in your life. I mean, they've never really been interested, Nathan. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> it's fine, <laughs> but it's just the truth. Like they've never really, you know. Right. So you haven't. I mean, is that no feelings of love then from from them? I think it's um. It feels like a transactional relationship where 
um, again, it's kind of like, you know, what can you do for us? Um, right. How much do you earn? Or those types of things. Whereas mm. not are you happy or are you fulfilled or what are you looking for? What can I do for you? Yeah. Sounds like an obvious point to say that the audience would then possibly fill that hole in terms of love. Is that how you recognise it? Or are you looking to fill that hole from other relationships or friendships or... We, we have the same audiences, so I think you know that love from audience, <laughs> especially London audiences who are stush as fuck, um, is not filling any motherfucking holes. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, when, you, when you do well and you can't sleep, is that, is that the excitement? What are you feeling there? Is, are you feeling, because when I do it and an audience, I would say it like that, oh, the audience loved me tonight. I would, mm. I would probably term it like that. I, I wouldn't think they love me like that, but that's the word I'd use. Um. I think so staying up, it can be like something that's not working or something that I need to dot some connecting. Um, mm. Again, I'd, I, I'm like when 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 things go really really well i'm just so i'm super grateful uh that that's um happened and and it does make me happy um i have a great agent who i love and i think he's my mum and dad <laughs> he is uh, uh and my you know uh dom king uh you know my counselor everything so i'm very very fortunate and so when you get to work with people who um have such impeccable character it's um it's quite uh that fills a hole yeah, yeah. I mean, I've heard you talk about. I know your agent. And I've heard heard you talk about him in such glowing terms. Is that? Um... I think it's because he's honest and and you know he doesn't lie and he will just tell you uh, things quite quite straightforwardly the way mm. you need to kind of hear them. So, in many respects, he's he's kind of like family and he he's not for me. You know, not like a typical agent where you know he'll kind of tell you things or, or you know set you on a path that you're not meant to be on he's kind of very uh true to to what you're trying to achieve yeah and you mentioned your uh therapist there how often do you see do you what see therapist them? i ain't got no therapist oh, i thought I, you mentioned a therapist there. i um I, I went to i did a radio two show last year and saw because the bbc paid for the session right so mm. i um saw a therapist for for uh what do you call it near Harley Street for one for one session okay. and I thought she was great um, I was really impressed because I think that like comedians are really psychologically uh, clued up so I was like I don't need a therapist because I'm so like I know her job and I don't want to make her quit either so um, but it was useful it was very useful I would recommend it to people um, she she said I was fine which was weird um, but it was more was she a student <laughs> no, no, she's very, very uh, experienced. But I think it's just because you can kind of overly, you can retell yourself the same messages. And so to have um, an impartial person hear your bullshit and check you on it um, is kind of useful. Um, and if it was uh, fucking free, I'll probably go back. But I mean, we do so much of that talking. So I don't know. I think other things like maybe physical activity like exercises can be just as good for us just because we're talking so much and sometimes that can get overly yeah I don't want to indulge my ego like even this feels a very very like fortunate to be able to just have somebody listen to me just go on and on and on <laughs> do you know what I mean so it's like it's a it's quite a privilege well great I mean it's interesting to hear you talk about your agents 
as your like a mom and dad. I mean, I don't when, think he's ever heard that, so yeah. I'm, I'm not sure he's gonna listen and <laughs> feel feel awkward. <laughs> he'll have to yeah he'll have to start cooking your dinners as well <laughs> he would he'll take 15 um, percent off that i'm sure though he'll take the peas away um <laughs> the best bit <laughs> but yeah when he came along is that you know because i mean this is your normal isn't it with you're talking about a lack of a maybe a kind of uh, a loving relationship with your parents and when he came along did he come along then at a really good time did he for your well-being I think I think it's more having somebody believe in you and um kind of yeah. confirm you're not crazy and you should just carry on doing what you're doing it's kind of a big deal yeah I mean it's so important and I would imagine particularly from what you're saying about your upbringing and your parents I mean any, I think parents' validation and love is so important. Do you, is there a sense that you're playing, you play it down to a certain extent, how important that is? Because I would have thought if your agent is giving you that or anyone else in your life, I think that's so important. Do you, do, do you, see, do you see the importance of that? Well, I, okay. Um, to be honest, I think what we do is, is quite lonely um, at times, if not most time, you know, you're yeah. traveling a lot um, by yourself and you're, you know, you're not having as much active social circles. You know, you've got to probably turn down uh, events with friends and stuff like that because of your career, which um, is quite demanding. Yeah. So it's something you usually do solo. Um, and I'd rather not share it with somebody who didn't understand it. So I think mm. it would be good to have somebody... Um, go along the ride with you but again whether somebody's there or not is very much an isolated thing that we do yeah okay well i've, I've heard you say in other interviews that you don't choose comedy comedy chooses you and that's... oh my god this is crazy it's like this is your life Nathan. <laughs> well that's i mean that's that's something i believe to a certain extent uh, have you any sense of anything in your psychological makeup that, that makes you a comedian or has made you say that in the past? I would, you know, I would posit that kind of a lack of love, you know, you want to be loved. So I, I honestly um, don't know if mm. I'm loved as a comedian. What I would say is that but I... On, but uh, sorry, on, on nights where you do really well, you are loved, aren't you, by the audience? Um... <sighs> I, I, if you're, yeah, okay, I, I think I was thinking of love in a different sense. Uh, mm. <laughs> I um, Yes, I don't mean they want to go home with, <laughs> home with you and set up a life with you, but is that, that would be a word I would naturally use. Is, not, is that not a word you'd use? You, if you do really well, the audience loves you, don't they? Yeah, but I'm not sure. I don't know how much um, I focus on it, the going well as I do what I need to improve on and what what's not going so well. I think I'm when I think I'm a little bit just relieved when when it's okay. I've nailed it. What I would say is I think comedians are just wired differently. So yeah. we slightly disassociate ourselves from things, the world, and then we're able to look at things objectively um from from a different perspective whereas like I would call non-comedians civilians they're kind of you know living life and then kind of you know just plodding along but I don't think that we do that I think that we question things and part a lot a big part of going on stage is putting the world to rights um and 
trying to make sense of things. Whereas I think mm. com- non-comedians um, just, I suppose, I don't know if they're fighting or if they're just accept things the way they are but I think there's a bit of a, a rebellious aspect of us where we're kind of like this is bullshit this doesn't make sense um what is going on here and we're trying to make sense of things and unravel things um you know and try and keep ourselves intact in doing so because we are going down the rabbit hole yeah so do you think our minds are wired differently um such as people are more accepting of the status quo and we're challenging it to a certain extent mm-hmm. is that is that what you're saying there mm. and how about if not love then how about you know attention approval are these things that are never it's, on your mind in terms of this is why i'm doing it it's, i think you know when like a chef cooks i think they like to make people eat good food and i think to give laughter is um is an amazing feeling to to be able to make people smile and you know when things are sad like when when hard times are hard um to be able to forget your problems is like amazing so to be able to help people forget or or to kind of like take people out of themselves um it's it's really a good feeling to be able to make people laugh i think that's a great thing that i like to to kind of do yeah great well, on that note, let's play in a clip here, shall we? Last time I saw you do comedy was at the brilliant comedy Unleashed at Backyard Comedy Club. And here the audience was really loving you, I would suggest. <laughs> so here you are talking about being a guest or being asked to be a guest on Sky News. Yeah, Sky News thinks they want me on. They really don't. <laughs> I say things like terrorism affects everyone. Every terrorist attack affect the sex lives of 72 innocent Muslim women. (laughs) I say things like, look, I don't think we should have Sharia law. I don't think we should have our own laws. I just think we should be let off a few of yours. You don't like that one, do you? (laughs) Like, Muslims should be allowed to steal from boots. (laughs) Just wax strips, because it's harder for us. The crowd were loving you there. Sorry to labour the point, but were they not? 15 seconds of laughter? The thing is, uh, Nathan, um, have you done Comedy Unleashed? You must have. (laughs) I've done backyard many times, and the, with a full room, you get that reaction. I yeah, think, so. so that's a that's not a, an every night thing. I mean, Comedy Unleashed is really good for for the audiences um, because there's kind of like a, a an acceptance. To, well, the, com- the audience is brief that you're not meant to feel awkward. You're you're meant yeah. to enjoy yourself and um, just take this for what it is. And it feels as though that disclaimer needs to just be at every comedy night, but. <laughs> They've um, managed to kind of like have a, a, a great following that kind of really goes for what I do, which is mm. a nice feeling, if a real one. To be honest with you, Nathan, I think ISIS really cocked me up because <laughs> I was doing all right. Yeah, I weren't that shit. I was shit for like, you know, as shit as everybody else. So pre-ISIS, I was fine. People thought I was novelty, you know. Oh, she's got a headscarf. Oh, she's got, you know, just some jokes. Ha ha. And then... Um, 
it got dangerous and then it was kind of like oh shit like because I I was joking about going to ISIS and I didn't know what that meant uh, but it was funny to me in my head and then when they were scared I was scared and it was like ah and this was really uncomfortable for everybody concerned um mm. so I had to learn quickly um and I'm not sure I did as quickly as I needed to, but it was tough because I wanted to make them laugh by saying things that I wanted to say, but they weren't going for it. And I didn't get why they weren't going for it. And then I was like, well, is it me? Nobody understands me. That's a terrible place for an artist to be. And um, so I found, you know, ISIS derailed me a little bit. So you used the word dangerous then in that last yes. comment. You, I mean, that's quite a strong word. Uh, you, how do you feel then when you're getting up on stage when these kind of things are happening? Because as you say, maybe ISIS, maybe the big things were happening a couple of years ago, but things are happening all the time and things have happened in London recently mm -hmm. um, related to Islamic terrorists. Well, how are you feeling when you're getting on stage when, when these kind of things are happening? Are you... Um, no, I'm okay now. Like mm. um, I recently, after the Streatham attack, I was like, oh, anybody from Streatham? You know, so I think you've got to acknowledge the elephant in the room and um, so sure. I'm okay now but I think if you're starting up and um, affected by something that's quite culturally sensitive or on a human level sensitive let's be honest um, there's so much going on and, and a lot of my, my people people that I you know in my team or my mentors were white they're not going to say Sadia um, you know there's, it's tricky being Muslim or don't say that or you know if they did I might begrudge that as well so it's stuff I have to figure out myself but um, the vanity of why isn't this joke working and then me delivering it really badly or, or it just being it's just being a bad joke like there's all of these things that you've got to factor in. Okay so let's mention your brilliant podcast No Country for Young Women presented uh, with Monsi mm -hmm. Onanuga. Um, I've listened to a lot of this. It's great. As you've talked about your Twitter and on this, you're talking about things in a very uh, frank way that I would never imagine would be possible on the BBC, but my goodness it is. So listen in. You talk about sex a lot on Twitter and in this podcast. I mean, there's a, f a few things to say on that, I guess. Does that give you any unwanted attention, uh, particularly on Twitter? I can imagine direct messages are you getting 50 a day on twitter to be you know what you won't even believe it but like not as much as anybody you'd like might. no well <laughs> definitely that but also um charlie hunnam is my new uh crush did you watch the gentleman oh my god anyway <laughs> i digress um so not as much as anybody might think, because somebody else, Ken Cheng, um, I, I must have tweeted something and he DM'd me and he was like, oh, are you getting like people propositioning? And I don't, I really don't. Um, okay. Occasionally uh, I will get something stupid, um, I just disregard it. Um, I did write an article for the Metro last year about uh, being a horny Muslim in Ramadan and that did get a lot of um, uh, comments, commentary. Uh, so I had loads of people like I had like a lot of non-Muslims being like oh it's really good she's being honest about how she feels I had a lot of Muslims being like oh god like how how crude and you know she's gonna burn in hell and stuff like that so mm. it swings and roundabouts but is that the truth then again what you're putting out on Twitter because I'm reading it and going really I mean I'm not going to go into detail get on Sadia's Twitter if you want to know the truth of what she's talking about but is this all the truth and um, I mean, it can be. It's great if it is. There's nothing wrong with it. But... If, it if it's about intent, then fucking yes. Um, <laughs> yes. 
Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll say no more. Get on Sardia's Twitter, Sardia <laughs> underscore Asmats underscore. In fact, I'm just going to get on it right now, I think. Just, uh, <laughs> um, but you said, you're talking about hate and... So I'd imagine with with yeah with that kind of stuff and and with your material, it's going to be the kind of stuff that will attract silly people giving you hate. We talked to Andrew Doyle last week about this, and he said he gets um, hate comments on a daily basis. Is this something that you get, or do you ignore no. it? Do you? I don't get a daily basis. Um, mm. I'm surprised he gets that much, to be honest with you. I think it's because he's so well read. And so people want to get into arguments online. And, um, oh, God, I'm a comedian, so I'm not going to have an argument with anybody online. Do you know what I mean? It's, it it, it takes a lot to push my buttons. Um, and sometimes I find it amusing. Uh, right. And never never scary? Or do you ever look at the comments, like, below your videos or anything like that? I've read... No, I've read, I mean, the Metro article, I, I did read it and um, I think there's just a lot of confusion but I think good art uh, I don't not necessarily is divisive but it, it, it's certainly contentious and mm. so there isn't this prim and proper kind of rounded like you know cookie cut out hijabi um, oh you know I pray five times a day da, 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 da. that's not comedy right so um, it's just about being honest I think the truth hurts right so you you're not going to get worried about any of those comments, you say? There isn't anything for me to be worried about. Like, you know, I'm just, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking for Islam, I'm talking about myself, right? No, I just mean being worried in terms of, not worried as in you think they're a threat, but that they're going to get you down or anything like that. It never gets you down, those kind of things. Um, like, I mean, I wouldn't Google myself. I wouldn't go out my way to, to kind of look. But, you know, sometimes you have to if, if you know, if somebody wants something. Um, mm. But in terms of getting me down, man, there's like life is enough to get you down. Like, I don't, I don't know. They, I think people that you know, people that you love are the ones that hurt you the most. These are people just fucking off the street who, who haven't got anything better to do. How could they fucking hurt me? So who are the people that you love then? Um, there's not a big list. I love my agent. Um, I love, I love, I should, my family should have been on the, on the list, shouldn't they? Um, they don't I really, have to be on the list at all. I love chocolate. And um, this sounds awful, Nathan, don't put this on. Um, no, I, I have, uh, I guess I'm quite a positive person and I, I kind of love people who I trust. So, you know, people I work with, like in art, like directors and, and people who I suppose have helped me a lot. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of love for them. Yeah. But that's fine. I mean, that's a very normal comedian. That's, uh, you know, as you say, civilians and comedians yeah. operate differently. Maybe mm -hmm. a non-comedian would say, oh, yeah, I've got 20 friends and we always go out and I've got family that love me. I don't think it's abnormal as a comedian by any stretch of the imagination to say, well, I've got my agent and I've got, you know, people I'm working with. I think mm. that's, um, you know, would you like to have a little bit more of the civilian love in your life, you know, mm. the kind of quite normal mm. love. Um, I'm not sure about love at the minute, Nathan. Um, mm. I think it's such a strong word and commitment and uh, expectation. And so um, I think, I think 
it, it's quite beautiful and almost what's the word is it fantasy full or I don't know I think we're sold this um ideal that as I get older I'm not so sure I'm fully bought into even though I think we impart love in what we do mm. I think that we're giving love and um exchanging energy and I think that's really cool um so you know but I think with love man it's just uh I think what we do on one level is quite selfish and I'm really enjoying what I'm doing and so I, I don't think that love would be uh, a worthy competitor or worthy, nice. it wouldn't be a worthy kind of thing. It doesn't match up. It doesn't match up to what we're doing and sure. so it wouldn't be worth kind of making certain compromises or sacrifices for. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely things we've heard from other comedians there. Um, but you said something there that suggests, do you, I mean, do you think love as it uh, appears in the films, do you think it, it exists then um, and can exist for you? I think, I mm, I don't know. I think if you kind of put too much on it, then you're setting yourself self up for a fall. Um, I think you have to be realistic. And I think there's there's a dream and the fantasy of like the euphoria of love and then there's the reality. So I, I think that we're certainly not sold the, the reality of it. Um, and if if you can find something in between, then great. But um, a lot of love ends up in hurt. I don't know many people in, in very happy relationships or marriages. Mm. So nobody on the other side is really selling it to me. Um, and but do you think it's possible? I don't want to, I don't want to like, uh, I think, of course, I think anything's possible, but I'm not, I'm not sure how much I, I'm not sure about the odds. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure about the odds. And I think that you have to work at it a lot and we're not taught that. Um, you have to kind of like, there's, there's a price to pay for love that you need to be wary or be aware of. You need to know what it's going to take out of you and it might be that it takes more out of you than than what it gives and replenishes you with mm. can i give a counter argument that love is amazing and love and lies love and lies do love you like is... do you like being lied to nathan is is, is it lies more palatable than the truth but as you say love can go wrong but love can also go right and it's the best thing in the world and people that say comedy is better than love i don't know that kind of love that is better than comedy i think exists yeah, but I think they're like um, probably ready to die. Like they're they're a ninety year old couple that fucking. I'm not that old. And that's the thing that's keeping them going. All right, I tried to persuade you. Okay, <laughs> right. Um, so in terms of happiness, then I, I heard you on uh, Luke Anthony's podcast, mm. and there was a quite an awkward moment where he was saying, <laughs> I, "I won't ask you if you're happy," as if that's an awkward question to ask. And you said there you don't want to be happy because you don't want to say that you're happy because bad things can happen when you say that you're happy. But you must know in your heart that that's not true. That's like a superstition, isn't it? That sounds like me, um, annoyingly. But I think that, you know, like I do think that sometimes you're safer on the fucking ground that you, you're familiar with. And, and as soon as things get better, something bad does happen. Well, I can give a counter argument to that as well. Yes. Look for happiness and it can it can continue, you know? It's very soothing, Nathan, the things that you say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wish life was as soothing as that. Believe me, I'm not being blinkered. I've been through a lot of ups and downs. I'm mm. just saying 
that I believe it's possible. And I'm not saying happiness just continues and doesn't go up and down, but I'm saying that's totally possible. I mean, like, obviously, the tortured artist is a bit of an old kind of like, Mm. not as as fucking cool as as maybe it was once. Um, I think you have to strike a balance. Just, you know, don't hate yourself, you know, between the self-loathing and the self-adulation, somewhere in the middle. Sure. Well, that's something we've definitely explored in other episodes of this that people like to maybe continue that loathing for more than they need to because they think that's good for the art. Is that something you'd subscribe to? Um, Oh, that's a really interesting point. Um, I think it's a strong thing. I I, I definitely have low self-esteem and um, low self-worth and so that might have a relationship with self-loathing but I don't think I kind of go out of my way to hate myself but I definitely know that a lot of the issues that I have or have have stumbled upon is due to uh, a lack of self-esteem a low self-esteem which I think possibly is good for for comedy especially in this country because we like the underdog or we like self-deprecation um uh, and maybe we all have a, a it, it kind of it, it has resonance because we're all slightly uh, underplaying our strengths or, or what we can do. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think that does sum you up in a way that you are underplaying certain aspects of your life and your skills. And God, I mean, from everything you're saying, I'm so glad you met your agent. And oh. I love your agent anyway. Whenever he steps into the room, he's a very, he's a beautiful man. Oh, my as God. Well, as, <laughs> as if that counts for anything, but he is. As are you, Nathan. He's someone easy to love, but I'm so glad that he's giving you love and you're getting love from, you know, him and maybe some other people you're working with because it's, it's so important. And thank goodness for people like him and... Do you let these people change you when he's giving you that love and support and that belief? Are you believing him? Is he's, are you feeling loved? Is he giving you that empowerment to, to go on that maybe you haven't had previously? You know? mm, I, I don't like the whole love thing. I don't know. Yeah. There's not much love going on in my life. Um, mm. What I would say is that he kind of instills in me a confidence that I didn't have or, or, or belief, it's able to, okay, I'm able to actualize a sense of uh, self-belief um, due to having somebody kind of have faith in you um, at, who knows you very well um, and has kind of worked with you and, and is quite honest. So he's not doing it for, for, for another purpose or agenda. It's just to kind of like kind of be uh it's almost like you know like a high school coach or something like that someone's kind of rooting you along helping you grow um it's kind of quite a formidable uh, relationship yeah well that's great that's great i mean it's just so important and you know i've, I've changed my opinion when it comes to love and certainly saying i love you over the years and saying i love you to friends and it's something i never said as a kid to family and i think it's it's really nice to hear, and I've got kids, and it's really nice to hear from them. Where are but we also on the think... lust, Nathan? Like, what, I mean, <laughs> like, isn't lust better than love? Well, I think they're both good. But, uh, <laughs> I don't think that they're the same thing, though, do you know what I mean? Like, They're um... not the same thing, no. Well, they can be the same, you know, they can be with the same person, but... Sometimes I... lust is just so good. Well, it is, of course it is. 
<laughs> but I think love is certainly what I'm striving for more than lust. I'm Particularly glad. now I'm, I'm 72 years old. <laughs> <laughs> lust isn't going to be possible for me very no, soon. I, think I mean, you'd be surprised at the things that they're coming out with. Like, you know, <laughs> well, tell me about that after. <laughs> I'll go to the student doctor for those things. I don't, I don't give a shit. <laughs> shit, they will give you the <laughs> biggest thing. <laughs> as I said at the top of the podcast, you know, when you turn up and you're just smiling, I would say I love you as a person, and Aww. there wouldn't be any other intent to that apart from that you're just such a nice, kind, positive person. You're fun on stage. You're honest, and I love that as a as a human being. And I would say, you know, I love you, and I think it's more. In, I think it's really important to say these things more and to to feel that love and support from mm -hmm. the community and from people. And I hope that it's not just your agent being the mum and dad, and it is, I don't know, you maybe possibly allow other people to, to give you that because you're exactly the kind of person that will get that easily, I think, and not just lust, oh, love, because lust, lust is good. Lust is so good. <laughs> lust. Let's let's the small steps, Nathan. Like we can't just jump into the love. You've got to okay. start. You know. All right. <laughs> I'm going to be looking at your Twitter then in two years' time and see whether the lust has stopped and whether the love starts. I don't know. I don't know. I think like if you don't if you don't have too high expectations, you won't be disappointed, right? Okay. Okay. Well, I have very high expectations of you, Sadia. I think uh, <laughs> you've already gone far and you're going to go so much further. Thank you for Thank coming you. on Psychomedy today. You are such a lovely person. And it's, uh, it's no wonder you're doing really well because at the end of the day, I think the, the nicest people eventually do uh, win out and the most truthful. And those uh, two aspects that I see every time I see you at a gig. You're is... so nice. I'm going to have to pay you or something. Like You're so <laughs> nice. Do you love me, though? Don't answer that. Thank you for coming on the show. That is our show for today. Join us again next time for more Psychomedy on Apple Podcasts, Spotify UK, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you liked it, please give us a five-star review. It helps other people to find us on any psychopaths leave three-star reviews. Psychomedy was written and presented by me, Nathan Casty, BS in Psychology. Produced and edited by Mike Hansen, BA English for Poppy Productions. Theme music by Mike as well. So that's Psychomedy. Please subscribe, rate. Listen back on all the great episodes so far. They're listed and there's video clips and more at psychomedy.co.uk. I, I have Nick Helm in my head when I'm saying this. <laughs> Someone made me laugh about this the other day when Nick Helm said it as I was doing this. That's very dry, Nathan, that closing bit. So can I make it less dry and say we are motherfucking number one in Argentina right now. We are the number one comedy podcast in Argentina above Joe Rogan. Fuck you, Joe Rogan, and your 5.6 million followers. Don't cry for me, Joe Rogan. Does that make it less dry, Nick Helm? <laughs> Eat my podcast, Argentina. <laughs> Follow us on social media, at Pop People UK, at PsychomedyPod, at Nathan Cassidy, at number one in motherfucking Argentina, and at Sadia underscore Azmats underscore. She's made it tricky to find that Twitter, but will you do? Hunt that out. Lots of love. Thank you again, Sadia. That Aww, was great. Thank you. Lots of love. And see you again next week. <laughs> Pod people.